Hello and welcome to Real Talk, a real estate podcast that is focused on the people who work in this industry. My name is Harvey Coker with the Officer Street Partners real estate team at Cascade Hassan Sotheby's International Realty in Vancouver, Washington, and I'm so excited to bring this podcast to you. Each week, I will be speaking with different agents and people in the industry to hear all about them, who they are, their experiences, their stories, why they do what they do, and how they are adapting to an ever-changing landscape. This week, I sit down with Matt Brown, a broker who works in both the Portland and Southwest Washington markets. Matt is originally from Kelso, Washington, and began his career in real estate at the Hassan Company after some time spent as a professional musician. As well as working in real estate, Matt also owns some local businesses in the area and uses those businesses to help the community grow and flourish. So that's the goal. That's the end game. And we were able to buy the bakery. I love Joy Bakers in, in Portland uh, this last September. And then a beautiful, wonderful open door came uh, with our, our roasting facility and our fourth shop uh, just in February. That's a journey. That's a dude. That's a journey. <laughs> Going from professional musician yep. as well into that. Yeah. That's uh, and, and real estate too. Yeah. How many phones do you have? Just one. Just one? Yeah. How do you keep everything organized in your phone? I struggle with just, just work, keeping things organized in there. Um, I don't know. No idea. Well, I, I, I mean, if I didn't have my phone, if I didn't have my calendar in my phone, I would be screwed. Yeah. Well, that's, my, that's my everything. Yeah. And if I had multiple phones with multiple calendars, I would be doomed. <laughs> I got to have it in one, one place. Got it in one place. Um, it's hard. The the big piece of it is how many emails do I have open? Yeah. You know, because um, there's emails associated with every business. Um, but uh, it tends to work out. But I got to label everything and I put it in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been some of the kind of uh, great stories from the coffee shop side of it then? There's got to be some great moments that you look you look back on and think. This is the reason why we do this because we're we're all about stories. Yeah. yeah, we're all about stories. I gotta tell you, the the biggest one comes with one of the saddest moments for all of us, um, which would have been the shutdown with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can see the sales numbers, and you can see your regulars come in. And, you know, I don't work at the coffee shops. I'm behind the scenes. I'm like the dad. So if the toilet breaks, I'm the guy that fixes it. But we we employ people from the neighborhoods on purpose and, and let them have some ownership of taking care of all the pieces, right? Yeah. So you can get a sense that people like your business. You don't necessarily get a sense uh, in any regular way of how they value your business. So we used to talk about if you were open on Christmas Day, you know, we, our staff, if we're open on holidays, it's because our staff volunteers. So we don't mandate it. So if they want to be there, they can be there and they should know people are going to tip them really well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those are the best tip days because people are are like, I can't believe you're open. Thank you. And, um, but, uh, you, you would have people who would bring treats in at Christmas and give our staff a pie, you know, give our staff a present. And you you can see these little moments where you're like, oh, they value you. Yeah. Um, March 2020, uh, the shutdown happens. None of us knew what to do, uh, just that everybody was shutting down and people were scared. So we shut down with no plan of when we would reopen. I'm trying to remember the, the dates, but 
no real plan, but if we're going to close, anybody who still wanted to work could come in and we were going to refine the business. So we refined the menu. We painted the whole place. We refinished the floors. We had new tables made. Uh, we moved plumbing around. We did all these things so that when we reopened, we were the best version of ourselves. Few of the staff did that. A lot of people quit. A lot of people moved, uh, you know, back home from wherever they came from to be with family. We, about six weeks in, our, our staff said, hey, can we reopen? There's enough of us. We're lonely. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we can. Let's just make sure that everything's dialed so that, like, we don't get in trouble with the state yeah. and follow the rules. We reopened. And it was a day of tears of people in the neighborhood coming in, crying, thanking us for being open because they missed our people so much that they had also been alone. They had also been for six weeks in their apartment, not seeing anybody, Skype calls, you know, like that moment for me was like, we did it. We actually added value to this neighborhood in a way that these people with fond memories Remember living here. Mm -hmm. And that to me was the key. Because when I was in coffee and I was just a barista and a, a manager of the shops and different things like that, I loved just seeing people in the morning. And a lot of times you're the first one they talk to. And you get to set the tone for their day. And if you can get them to smile, they're going to walk into the rest of the day better, right? Yeah. To see that my baristas had done that and I, I didn't have to be there. That people valued them so much and they valued what we were adding to the neighborhood that they were crying. That that's probably my that's that is probably my first place moment in all of it. Other things that have happened similar is helping our baristas start businesses, helping our baristas find homes. Um I've been very, very lucky to be able to help a number of them. Uh, put down roots, permanent yep. roots. So uh, one of them, nobody in his family has ever owned a home. Oh, that's huge. And he was the first one. And he did it on, on barista wages and tips. Uh, he was smart. We made a plan and we waited until the time was right. But like um, those to have those meaningful moments, um, those, those mean a lot. We teach our, our staff um, how to create budgets. Um, most of them have no idea how much money they make or where their tips go. And we literally teach them how to set up their bank accounts to do auto pay and get their credit scores up. Um, I know that that's silly to think about as far as coffee goes, but these are our employees. And if we do this right, they might just stay in the neighborhood and start their own businesses, yeah. which is good for everybody. That's, you know, I don't drink coffee. I might have to start drinking coffee now after that story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've only ever I had half a cup of black coffee once years ago. But uh, I might have to start drinking coffee now. I'm just saying. I might have to come take a visit and and see what it's all about. It's it's uh it's like uh, wine. Uh, not every wine's for everybody, but there's usually a type of wine that you like. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I'm a more of a white wine guy. Yeah. Red wine. Yeah. Maybe one glass of steak. But uh, uh yeah, steak's pretty good. <laughs> now I'll pick whiskey over it every yep. time. Every time. Well, whiskey's my love language. We need to split a bottle of whiskey one night. That's what we need to do. We just need Game to one. talk about talk about life. Yeah, that's what we need to do. Um, what about your stories in real estate? Yeah, we we've got crazy stories. Some of those I, I like to talk to people and say, if someone sat you down before you became 
a real estate agent and said, this is going to happen. You would turn around and say, that's crazy. But it happens every week. Yeah. What's some of those stories, particularly the last couple of years where everything's gone wild that uh, that's happened? Well, when you, you frame it like that, I immediately start thinking of bad stories. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that there's a lot of bad ones too. Um, you're right there. But I'm so curious to hear because you've got all these stories from, you know, the music and the coffee and you've got all these different walks of life. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious about some of these, some of these real estate stories too. I think my all time favorite real estate, let's start there before I go dark. Okay. <laughs> start positive and work let's, backwards. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, first listing I ever had, um, beautiful home, hold the open house. Um, I had been doing, I did four open houses every weekend, um, for five and a half months, uh, straight, no breaks every weekend. I volunteered and took two a day each weekend. Um, during my first, my first five and a half months at five and a half months that my wife had a birthday. So I, I took the weekend off. You have to at that point. You have to, if you, if you didn't, I'd, I'd be curious how you're still here at this point. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, that's one of those uh, ways to scare people out of the business. <laughs> but but by the time I got my first listing, I I open houses were a piece of cake. Let's yeah. go. I can get your name and number. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And a couple came in who was – they were across the street getting donuts. And they weren't even in the market to buy a house. And they came in, and we just started talking. And – it was it was strange because there's times when you just have an affinity for another person where you're like, man, I like being around you, mm-hmm. and we clicked that way. And I didn't I didn't think much of it. I didn't know they'd taken one of my cards because um, I have them in my listings placed around when I do open house, so somebody who's shy can grab one and call me later, or the people who sneak out the back door. <laughs> That's a few of those, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we hit it off. Uh, and I, I got their name and number. I hit him up and I said, Hey, that was, that was great. If you guys ever want to get drinks, let's talk. And, uh, they're like, yeah, that's cool. And didn't hear anything for you two years after that. Like they were on my drip. Like I, I sent them stuff occasionally, but I was playing it cool because they weren't in the, like, I didn't want to be the pain. Right. Yeah, there's a there's a line. Right. Isn't there's a line. There's a and line. um I think good agents they know that line between yes, something can happen here and hey, you know, I just want to be in the background. I'm not trying to force you, but if you want to do something, I'm here for a conversation. Yes. Yeah. And I get a, a text message and it says, Hey, this is and I won't share his name, but this is I, you probably don't remember us, but you said if we ever want to talk about houses, we could get a drink. Um Got time for happy hour this week? So I always have time for happy hour. Always. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and we meet up, and the first thing, you know, is figuring out if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times people are just kicking tires, right? Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. Well, this was real. We got them pre-approved, um, started the hunt, and we saw a lot of houses. We got our butts handed to us a lot, and a lot of Hassan agents got houses that my clients wanted, and beat me hard at it. <laughs> it was um, that was an embarrassing time. 
they're trying to get their home. We find one uh, in St. John's near my coffee shop. So uh, now they're going to be regulars in the community that we want to build up. And uh, beautiful old craftsmen, kind of quirky. But we make it through negotiations that didn't go very well. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know if this house is going to work. And the guy says to me, after we get through everything, he says, hey, I want to propose when you give us the keys. And I said, I said, tell me more. What do you want to do? (laughs) (laughs) So we went to the house. Um, I pretended like the home didn't record with the, the gal. I was like, it hasn't recorded yet, but I'll call you when it does. The moment it recorded, I was on the phone with him. I was like, let's get to the house. He gets a bouquet that's bigger than this table. It was huge, beautiful. Gets And we go in the house. We get it all staged up. There's rose petals everywhere. Um, and then we close up the house, and he takes off to go get her. And he leaves, and I, I text them both. And I'm like, the house recorded. When do you guys want to meet up? <laughs> Don't uh, tell me she said tomorrow. Cause that was- <laughs> no, no, no. Um, uh, it was like 40 minutes later. Okay. Let's meet up. He had his friends prepared to jump, like, to meet up with them and make it seem organic, but to be ready to jump on the, the phone to video this whole thing. And I'm sitting on the porch. She doesn't know anything. Uh, they show up. <clears throat> and I say, here's your keys. Who wants to open the door? And he's like, he's like, babe, you got to do it. And he, <laughs> his friends start filming. She doesn't even notice. She opens the door. She sees it and just tears and explodes. And he, and he drops on his knee and proposes. And we get the whole thing on video. Um, I partnered with. Uh, their lender and the title company, and they uh, received gifts that night while they're still at the house. So uh, we may have overdone it. I think yeah. they got like six bottles of wine and <laughs> champagne. But um, oh, there's never too many gifts for uh, for an engagement like that. Never too many yeah. gifts. Um, I, I got a big bone for their dog, so they're sitting there hugging. The dog's got a bone in his mouth. It was, <laughs> it was great. I that was a highlight for me because. They they start in their family in that home in that moment off of a really just unusual in the sense that it was good and I felt a bond with them at an open house, mm-hmm. but also really typical because we have those conversations all the time and you never see the person again. Yeah. Um, so that was a highlight for me and did exactly what I want to be doing, which is getting people into homes that change their lives. That journey with clients that. That's that's one thing I love so much is that if you if you are lucky enough to form great relationships with clients, the journey you can go on that with them for years to come, it's such a special journey. Such a, a part special of. journey. And I, I think that's um I think that's a, a misunderstanding of our job sometimes too. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of people kind of look at us as just salesy people mm-hmm. in that aspect. And I do think there are a lot of agents out there who, who are like that and um, that is probably something that adds to that reputation a little bit, I say. Right. But uh, from now, you were at Hassan before I was at Hassan. But the minute I walked into Hassan, you felt the culture. Oh, you yeah. felt it from minute one at that yeah. point. Um, and and I, I'd never want to be anywhere else because of that. There's 
there are subtypes of brokerages and not in the way that they function behind the scenes, but in the vibe. And I got talked into coming into real estate by Mike Hassan. <laughs> like he, by Mike personally. By Mike personally. I had no plan to do this. I just didn't want to travel anymore. I was in sales. I was selling coffee all over the West Coast. Um, and then I was selling uh, lifestyle goods and lighting for a company called Schoolhouse Electric and having to go to the East Coast a lot. And then they decided to open in Pittsburgh and wanted me out in Pittsburgh for the first year, at least six months. I said, I got a family. I don't want to do this. I want to be here. That word traveled through the longest journey. Gets me in a meeting with Mike Hassan, who's like, you should do real estate. It's about getting people to live here. Did you know him beforehand? Like, have no. you ever met him? No. No? See, I only met, I was, I was fortunate enough to meet Mike, but I only was unfortunate enough in the sense that I only met him twice. Mm-hmm. But the minute I met him, I was like, oh, this is what everyone's talking about. Yeah. This is why this guy's so special. Yeah. This is why this place is so special. The culture he's built here. Yep. Um, I met Lee at Lewitt Brewery down oh, the road. Yeah. And I was, uh, really? Yeah. So I, I was working in new construction. Okay. That's how I got my start in new construction. And, uh, a lender came into the open house I had in the center and I was chatting to him. We talked for nearly an hour. Yeah. No one came through the open house. Um, but me and him talked for ages. Turns out he was one of Lee's preferred lenders. Oh. So he called Lee right away and said, Hey, I just met a younger version of you. Yeah. And he goes steady on the younger version, but what are you talking about here? <laughs> so, um, he goes, Oh, there's this, this English kid who's working for, um, this builder up in the center. He's, he's, you should chat to him sometime. He was like, oh, okay, okay. Kind of kept it in mind. Two weeks later, my boss said, hey, you should meet the other English guy I know who works in real estate. And two weeks after that, I met up with Lee. And five minutes in, we're thinking, oh, I'm I'm so similar to this guy. This yeah. is kind of scary in a way. He's just a little bit older with kids. He's got family. Yeah. Um, two months later, I'd left. And I came to work at Hassan. But Lee, we met up for, for fish and chips. How ironic. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, we met up for some fish and chips and he was just telling me all about the company. He was telling yeah. me all about Mike. He was telling me all about the culture, the people. Um, you know, there's it's a smaller group of agents, but it's a select group of agents and everybody yeah. performs so well every year, but everybody's here for the right reasons, you know, and they do it for the right reasons. And then I met Mike at an all company meeting in Lake Oswego about two months later. Okay. It took five seconds. Yeah. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. I I value number one, I value that he challenged me to even think about going into real estate, that he could hear where my heart was. But because I didn't know anything about it, uh for example, I didn't know that there's a cultural meme about realtors being kind of like car salesmen. I didn't know people made jokes. I didn't (laughs) know. Like I thought realtors were like businessmen. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a subculture of shadiness at some places. Right. Yeah. So I went after he asked me to consider it, I went and interviewed at uh, six other brokerages and I saw uh, two alarming things uh, before I was like, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it with the Hassan company. Um, no matter what. And the first thing that I saw was greed. So there are brokerages where people move into town because the market's hot. When the market changes, they leave town, reset up in another hot market, um, and then buy their leads 
and rebuild, but they have no intention of keeping the relationships. So it's it's one and done. So transactional. It's all transactional. Yeah. Um, that's not my vibe. I don't need to make a lot of money. I I just need to take care of my family and be able to you know uh, grow in the community that I'm in. That's yeah. what I want to do. I reinvest everything that I get, and uh, so I don't I don't. I don't vibe with that. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is the cold calling sadness. I'm being wrecked because all day I'm being rejected <laughs> and nobody wants to give me a chance. And I went into a number of offices where one specific that I went back to three different times. And every time I went in a different person was at their desk with their head on the desk looking like they've been beaten. And I was like, I can't be a part of this. No. That would drag you. You would be dragged down. Right. Very, very quickly. Every time I went to one of the Hassan offices, I went to three before I decided to do it. Every single time, some stranger stopped me and said, hey, I'm so-and-so. How are you? Why are you here? <laughs> and they start, uh, they start sharing in a way that is obvious there's no benefit to them. Yeah to be doing this, especially if I'm a new agent, because now I could be considered competition. Instead, it feels like it's a school teacher that just cares that, that you make it and that you feel seen or, or a, a minister, right? That like, they just want you to be okay. Yeah. You know, and I, my main office was the uptown office mm-hmm. and uh, some of our older agents are, well, were there because we moved offices since then, but I would get pulled aside. And they would say things like, I just want you to know I'm really proud of you. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what mom? <laughs> no, but like they would go out of their way to say that they saw something that I did, compliment it, but just say, hold fast. Yeah. Because you get it. You're doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. And there's no, uh, you, you think about the cutthroat brokerages where it's just transactional. That's not happening. It's all numbers. Well, I want the relationships and, um, you know, I, I can't thank, uh, some of our leadership team, uh, Andrew Misk, uh, being the number one, uh, I want to be who I am, uh, as a realtor, as a, as a, in a lot of ways also as a realtor, who's also a husband and dad, because he checks in on that level to make sure that I'm not burning my wife because I'm working too much. Uh, I have to thank Lee Calvert. Um, I wouldn't have made it out of my first two years without him. Uh, he taught me more, was an open book the entire time, and gave me opportunities where I had none. Um, uh, Declan O'Connor, he's one of my, my absolute favorite realtors on the planet. Um, it is awesome to hear him negotiate. <laughs> and he walks and talks through the office and negotiates. And uh, I learned a lot from him. But there's so many killer people in our company that are just like that, where you just want to like spend more time with them just because they're real. Yeah. And you learn from how they exist. 100%. Um, I, before, before I met Lee, before I even went into new construction, I interviewed with four brokerages in the Beaverton area. So I just graduated from college and I was like, oh, yeah. what am I going to do? This kind of sounds fun. Let's see. And every single one was exactly the same. There was oh. not one single thing different about it. It was all, Hey, here's here's the numbers. Here's what the fees are going to be. Yeah, you know this is what it is. Oh, we'll cover like twenty five percent of these fees, and then you pay it back through, blah blah blah, and then you'll get a desk over there, and then go sell real estate. Mm-hmm. 
was like, cool. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, what do I do? I don't have a license yet at yeah. that point. Um, and then you just I, go make money. You just go make money, apparently. It's, it's easy. easy, right? I had not the faintest idea of how this industry worked, the work it took, none of that stuff. And then I interviewed with the new construction company. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I like the family feel of it. I think this would be a great place to start. And I started as an assistant to the two brokers there, um, which was great. Yeah. But then I met Lee and, you know, he was telling me all this stuff. And then I came into uh, the Hassan office for the first time. And he was like, oh, hey, by the way, you're sitting down with Tanya today. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, oh, okay. Who's that? <laughs> and I, I sat down. I just I just had such a great chat with her. Yeah. And she was so welcoming and just, you know, so great. And then I came out of her office, started walking down the corridor, and I stopped by another broker. And they're like, hey, how's it going? Just yeah. like you said. They just kind of want to talk to you. They stop what they're doing. Yeah. And then I went to the all-company meeting. And bear in mind, I had really not started anything yet yeah. at this point. And I go to the all-company meeting, and Lee grabs me and pulls me. He's like, this is Mike. I couldn't get a question in. No. I couldn't get a question in because all Mike ever wanted to do was learn about you. Yeah. He just wanted to learn who you are, why you do what you do, what makes you you. Yep. And I just was completely amazed at this conversation that I just had where I felt so guilty for talking so much. But that's all he wanted. He yeah. wanted to hear about me and who I was. Um, and that rubbed off on me so quickly. And then you spend some time around the office and you spend time around some of the agents and, and you really learn what it's like yeah. to be invested in that culture. Yeah. And it, like you said, it was a great experience. And um, how do you feel about the merger? Like, how do you feel it's gone? Have you noticed anything that's different in the business or anything at all since it's changed? Um, how direct do you want me to be, sir? No, just in terms of, do you feel like he's managed to add anything to the business in terms of marketing or do you think it's changed anything? Because I know for us, it's taken us some serious time here to learn how to kind of balance leveraging the Sotheby's name mm-hmm. with who we are sure. at the same time. I know that's a kind of an interesting balance. Um, I would say, and I know that, I I don't know how many people would want to hear this, but um, I haven't leveraged the Sotheby's name as much as I have leveraged the rad people that we are now with in Sotheby's. Yep. I, so, you know, we have an internal email. When you need something, you throw it out there. Everybody sees it. You need a referral. You need a contractor. um, You need advice. Maybe there's a, uh, a tricky HOA thing, right? And we can throw it out there and get feedback. Um, because Hassan was smaller, sometimes you would ask a question and nobody had ever worked that market. Or, and especially me, because I'll go just about anywhere. Like we were talking earlier about, I'll go to the coast and list yeah. a house and show houses. I'll go up the gorge. If if I've been there and I know the area, I'll go. Um, but that meant that I've done a lot of deals in places that nobody had done before. Yeah. Since we merged, I throw something out on haves and wants. And I get an abundance, an absolute abundance of, of different types of people at different price points, which means I'm more valuable to my clients now, mm-hmm. but I can solve problems faster. Yep. And that I've been leveraging like crazy. Yeah. Um, and I'm so thankful um, to all the Sotheby's people for for being open to that and not having their, their guard up. Instead, it's like, oh, you're you're us. Yeah. We're you. We're together. Like let's win. Yeah. Um 
the technology. <laughs> All right. I like to camp and fish and do things with my hands and go on hikes. I don't like being on the computer. Mm-hmm. Sotheby's technology and marketing systems are like a Ferrari. And I want a Ford F-150. <laughs> so um, I have been a pain uh, in the in the butt of our technology department and our marketing department, having them more than once walk me through it. And they've always been fantastic. But I know I'm not utilizing it all uh, as well as I could. And so I want to be honest about that, that I'm not pretending to be something I'm not, because <laughs> there's people in our company that know I suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> but there are so many, so many uh, different avenues that we can go to uh, get our properties out there in front of people, but also get information in front of our past clients and our, our hopefully soon to be uh, clients. That's an interesting one, because I had that conversation last week um, where, oh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was in an open house. Um, our listing mm-hmm. and it was listed at 400,000 and this young couple came through um, and they were already working with an agent but we had a great conversation and as they were leaving she kind of turned to me and goes how can you list this house? I was like what do you mean? She goes well we are Sotheby's <laughs> like don't you just do like fancy homes? Yeah. I was like no 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 not at all but, you know, luxury is the service it's not the price point here you know it's not it's not what the house is worth, you know, what our services, we're bringing that service to people's most valuable asset yes. and taking care of it in the best way possible. Yes. Um, but we had a little conversation then about it and I was saying that, you know, our network's bigger, we have agents everywhere uh, she, and she was kind of like, oh, that's fine. But then I said the same thing you just said in the sense of the network is not just about sending referrals to somewhere else. Right. It's not just about your house popping up on the screen yeah. in an office halfway around the world it's about being able to problem solve and have a collaborative approach with a ton of people and provide a better service to your clients too now i don't know if, if you guys uh work relocation mm-hmm. um but uh since since the merger i have uh received a, a number of reloads where the agent wants to speak to me before i get placed with their mm-hmm. their client and um the all, and this is great because in in Hassan culture, it's very normal. But yeah. you've probably met the agent before. With Sotheby's, we're getting relocations from all over the place. Yeah. And when I get these uh, these opportunities, I get the phone call. The first thing the agents say: "These people matter to me. I need to know who you are." Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's different. This is good. Yeah. Let's go. You guys get it, and that gives me. Um, confidence in sending uh, like my people because I get a lot of folks that move to Boston from here uh, move to well Boston a lot of people go to Boston but um, why Boston because <clears throat> of Nike oh Congress. yeah okay that makes sense now but because um, they get bounced around mm-hmm. but um, to be able to know that somebody on the other side is going to really care for my people yeah because for me when I when I think about placing people in homes here I'm expecting that I'm going to run into them in a bar somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if I place them in the wrong home or burn them on a deal, they're going to pour my beer on my head. (laughs) I don't want that. I want to have a beer with them, not have them mad. And if I send them somewhere else, I want somebody else who cares about it on that level. 
of like we could sit down, have coffee together, be happy two years down the line. Even if there was a rocky transaction, it's goodwill and the care was there mm-hmm. to build that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that. I think it's um, I love that our culture is transferred over as yeah. well. You know, kind of a a pretty seamless transition in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, last thing, going down, kind of look or looking ahead for the rest of the year. What are you telling people for the rest of the year? What are you What are you looking at and saying? Because it's the problem is every everyone says, "What do you think is going to happen in the next six months?" <laughs> like we all have a, a crystal ball with how volatile everything is, and the best you can do is is talk to them and you know give them a, as good advice as you can. But what are you telling people going into more uncertainty this year and and heading into next? It depends on, uh, I guess, I tell most people the same thing, but I'm a little bit more aggressive depending on their personality type. Yeah. Uh, one of the big things that I, I want people to be paying attention to, as they're especially especially uh, people who are potentially going to sell and then want to buy, and the reason they're not selling uh, is because there's nothing out there for them, right? If we don't see an interest rate drop soon, right? We'll likely see it directly before the elections or right after. Mm-hmm. It's a, We're too close to the elections for this not to be a game right now. Yep. And I know that that sounds kind of crazy, but I've seen it in multiple cycles. Yep. Every two years. Yep. Every two years when, when midterms come around, elections come around, presidential elections, it affects the real estate market. Yep. And uh, the, the 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 best part of this is it almost always goes the same direction. Somebody uses it to win voters, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, interest rates are probably going to drop yeah. right in there. If you do everything to make sure that you're prepared before that happens, if you're serious about acting, you'll be able to act at the front end of that when everybody else is still trying to get their paperwork together. You can. That's the moment. Because houses are still, you know, they're not, some of them are dropping, but again, because they're priced wrong, right? Because they're priced wrong. <laughs> they're yeah. priced wrong. But they're, they're kind of staying put right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going up in price as yeah. fast. And when those interest rates drop, the demand is going to force those to spike. And honestly, like, if you can get a good amount of equity out of the home you have, don't wait around trying to get to time the market and get the highest point. Yeah. Get out and buy the the uh, house you want at the price you want. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. Timing the market doesn't exist. It, no, it's not a thing. It's it's all about making the smart decision. Yeah. yeah, and we don't know politically when it'll be the most apt time. Again, it could be before mm-hmm. or right after, but it it's nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. I'm not a financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing we are not financial advisor <laughs> um, well I appreciate you stopping by today we'll, uh, we'll have to sit down and do it again this has been great yeah right. thank you thanks bud